Today our scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew. If you'd like to follow along, please do. We'll be reading verses, I'm sorry, we'll be reading from chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Hear God's word to us. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what's your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites! Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Before I go further, I just want you to bear with me today. Uh, sometimes grief creeps up when you least expect it. You, some of you all sitting here or out there on our live stream know what that's like, and it's been just a hard morning for me. And so I, I appreciate your prayers and your patience as we walk together. We sang it as well at my dad's funeral, so... Um, it's met as a special, but it's just, it's, um, it's just hard, you know. And so, we'll dive in. We Christians, we hold values that are different from the government, don't we? And we should. We have differing values than those who serve in government. Some might be similar and others might be quite different. And this is not anything new. We are pilgrims on a journey. Paul writes that we are citizens of heaven who happen to be citizens of these United States. No matter what aisle, what side of the aisle we are on, our faith will often be at odds with someone or something in government. 
if this were not the case, then someone else is doing our thinking for us. Today's gospel lesson from Matthew has often been used to encourage Christians to be good citizens, and good citizens we should be, to pay their taxes and live as productive citizens in the land. For example, I think that I'm being a good citizen when I wear a mask out in public, when I go in a restaurant or the grocery store or church or other establishment. I feel like I'm doing my part as a good citizen. There are lots of other examples we could think of. Maybe this story is in the gospel to indicate that we coexist as citizens of heaven and we're to be good citizens. While this is a common reading and a good interpretation, I believe that there is more for us to consider for those of us whose citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. A little context around this passage. It's the last week of Jesus' life, so it's during Holy Week. It's in the temple courts of Jerusalem, and present are the Pharisees or some Pharisees, Herodians, disciples of Jesus, and crowds of people. While Pharisees and Herodians were both Jewish religious leaders, they had significant differences. They were not natural allies. The Herodians supported the rule of Herod Antipas, son of Herod the Great, who cooperated with the Roman rulers and was given authority by them. Antipas oversaw the execution of John the Baptist and would also see the same of Jesus Christ. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were among the Jewish leaders who believed in, uh, in a legalistic interpretation of the Torah, the law of God. That was the one that was to be obeyed. These religious leaders loved their political power more than God and neighbor. They loved their religious power more than God and neighbor. They loved their money more than God and neighbor. They loved their religious traditions more than God and neighbor. They loved their interpretations of Hebrew Scripture more than God and neighbor. Jesus called them hypocrites. They were the epitome of hypocrisy, blind to God, God's love, God's Word, God's truth, and God's Son. And when these two groups of religious leaders teamed up to confront Jesus in the temple courts, they chose to set aside their own differences to attack a common enemy. Jesus. It would be like the Hokies and the Who's joining efforts to defeat the Clemson Tigers. Does that make sense? Right. In fact, it might take the entire ACC to beat Clemson this season after yesterday's victory over Georgia Tech. Oh my. But they sought to trap Jesus. Have you ever tried to trap an animal? Did you see the news story of this past week where the city of Richmond allowed a group of animal preservationists to collect uh, non-migratory geese from Bird Park? Could you imagine what it would be like to round up hundreds of domesticated geese 
and take them to a wildlife preserve. That would be hard. They were running around. They had these big nets and trying to shoo them. Finally, they corralled them all into a fenced-in area, and then they put them one or two by two into little cages and took them down to this place outside of Charlotte so that they would be safe. These were domesticated geese, so they are not migratory. They can't fend for themselves. And often they will die in the harsh winter because people don't come out and feed them and so forth. That's a humane way of entrapping an animal to make sure that it gets to a safer place. This was not the kind of entrapment that the Herodians and the Pharisees were after with Jesus. The Greek word used in the New Testament here is pagadiu, translated to trap in this passage. It actually refers to trapping an animal with a trap that's more like a bear trap, metal claws. That's the kind of evil intent that they embraced when they came to Jesus with these questions. They said lots of flattering things to Jesus, and then they hit him with the question that he could not answer correctly. If he answered it one way, he would upset the Herodians, and if he answered it another way, he would upset the Pharisees, and still yet would perhaps upset the crowds no matter what he said. This is reminiscent of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness by Satan. They asked Jesus if it was lawful to pay the poll tax or the imperial tax that funded Roman occupation. The Greek term here is kensos. It's where we get the word census. The tax was paid annually by every male aged 14 to 65 and every female aged 12 to 65. It was a denarius, about a day's wage for the average person, and no one liked to pay it. Many of us don't like to pay taxes. They didn't like to pay them back then either. By the way, I think being a good citizen means paying our fair share of taxes. I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it at all. But if Jesus answered yes, the crowds would be upset, and if he answered no, then he could have himself turned over to the authorities. That would be treason. He was trapped either way, but he responded to the Pharisees and Herodians using the word hypocrites. You hypocrites. Have any of you ever for school had to make a, a mask that is like they used to use in Greek comedies and tragedies? The word hypocrite means to, to wear a mask, and Jesus is saying, you all are hypocrites. You are not being truthful and authentic. You're hiding behind a facade. It means to play a part or to be an actor. And Jesus isn't interested in actors. He's interested in real people. He cared about real people with real sins, real needs, who needed real forgiveness. And then after that, Jesus says, show me the coin. And there's a painting I found that depicts what that could have looked like. Show me the coin. Produce a coin of the empire. The only kind of coin that could be used to pay that tax that they questioned Jesus about. In other words, Jesus said, 
show me the money. Remember that? Yeah? Remember that movie, Jerry Maguire? Show me the money. Or maybe Jesus said, what's in your wallet? And they produced a coin. Have you ever seen those ancient coins? Kind of like our coins today, they have the government's um, leader or some leader of government stamped on them and they have an inscription. The coins had the emperor's image on them. And Jesus, after they produced the coin, said, whose image is on the coin? Whose inscription? The word for image means, or the Greek word translated image is icon, E-I-K-O-N in the Greek transliteration. That's where we get the word icon, uh, which are the things that we click on when we use our phone or our tablet or our other smart device or computer. You've seen icons before. They represent something. They stand for something. Well, the coin had the icon or the image of the emperor, and it showed who was in charge of the government. The word implied that Caesar was the one in charge, the Caesar, the leader, the emperor, and he claimed to be divine. The Roman emperor claimed divinity. And you can imagine the smugness and the grins of the Herodians and the Pharisees. They finally trapped Jesus and they had him where they wanted him. As one commentator states, when Jesus asked them for the tax coin, they unsuspectingly reach into their purses or wallets and withdrew the evidence that exposed the, not him, as not, but them as deceptive and hypocritical compromisers. They were the ones who were carrying around Caesar's money, not Jesus. They are the ones who have the emperor's image in their pocketbooks. They are the ones who have already bought into the pagan system. And Jesus responds with an imperative that leaves the Pharisees and Herodians speechless and shaking their heads. Give, you remember what he said, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They didn't know what to do with that, y'all. What are we supposed to do with it today? As Baptist Christians, we can make several applications. Historically, we Baptists have stood for religious freedom. We advocate a separation of church and government. We cherish political involvement as citizens of the United States, but we Christians as Baptists in particular hold a higher citizenship which is in heaven. Baptists have been persecuted, jailed, tortured, and killed for standing for religious freedom, not only in these states, but in other places around the world. We stand for the individual freedom of conscience in that person, that persons can choose 
our God or no religion at all if they desire. We advocate for a free church, the autonomy of the local church, and stand against the establishment of a state religion. As Christians, we worship only God. The very first commandment among the ten says, you shall have no other gods before me. But like Jesus, we face tough questions. The lines are often blurred. The image of the coins of government, the image is sometimes worn smooth. It is sometimes hard to distinguish the limits of government in the realm of religion. So the questions for us to think about, what do we give to Caesar? What do we give to Caesar? Yes, we should be good citizens. I believe we should pay our taxes, and certainly we want them to be fair and reasonable. They help with our roads and our street lights and public transportation and schools and police and fire departments and water and sewage, libraries, state parks, regulations that keep our food and consumer goods safe and our medicine safe, and on and on. We benefit from lots of things in our society that government helps with. We should always hold government accountable. I firmly believe that. We should do our part to give back to the portion to the state as fair and as is required. What do we give God? That's another question. What do we give God? The word give in Jesus' answer to the Herodians and Pharisees can be interpreted give back. We, the, we see this same usage in the parable of the unforgiving servant and in the parable of the tenants. The word carries a sense of giving back that which already belongs to someone else. When Jesus said, give back things to Caesar and the things of God, Jesus is denoting possession. The things that belong to Caesar and things that belong to God. And how do we know what belongs to Caesar? Jesus makes it clear. They have Caesar's image and an engraved signature on them. So the big question is the second question. How do we know what things belong to God? They have God's image on them. The word again for image that we talked about earlier is icon. The same word used in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Sometimes you see the words, the Roman numerals LXX. That means Septuagint in an, in an abbreviation. Listen to this passage. God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then verse 27 of chapter 1 of Genesis, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We find this same word in Genesis 5.1 and in Genesis 9.6. We are created in the image of a loving God. Scholars call this imago dei. 
Today, when I look in the mirror, I see the image of God. When you look in the mirror, you see the image of God, just as Pastor Amanda shared with us earlier. Today, when I see myself in the mirror, I also see this spot on my forehead. It's not a fly. Uh, the dermatologist in my annual visit had to spray that cold nitrogen stuff on my forehead the other day, and now I have this spot. It'll come off pretty soon. But that's just part of my person. That's part of me. God loves me, blemish and all, right? God loves us no matter what. We are created in the image of God. What are the things stamped on us? God's image. What do we give to God? Ourselves. Our whole selves. Not just a part, but our whole selves. We are created in the image of God. Every tiny part of us. This means that the tiniest parts of our body, the smallest thoughts in our heads, all belong to God. Martin Luther is quoted as saying, I have held many things in my hands and have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. It is said, some may give God their minds, but have hearts far from God. Some may give God their hearts, but are unwilling to learn from God in the Word. Some may give God their muscles, but are unwilling to bring their bodies to worship and education classes. Many give God an hour or two a week, but God wants all 168 hours of our week. Many give God 2% of their income. Maybe they think about 10, but God wants it all. Think about it. Give to God what is God's. That means everything. We cannot say that this part belongs to God, so I'll give it to God. Everything we are and everything we have belongs to God. We are more than, we are just um, uh, mere managers and stewards of the God, uh, gifts that God has given to us. We call each other back to God's Word and promise and charge that we are made in the image of God and in God's likeness. Therefore, we are called to live as citizens in heaven in these United States in such a way that others may see the family resemblance. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, thank You for creating each of us and for giving us a special call and purpose. And as we live in these United States as citizens of heaven, help us be different. Help us bear your image so that other people who may not know you can see the family resemblance. In Jesus' name, amen.